Hallelujah. We just want to thank you all for just coming out. We know it's cold outside. No one wanted to wake up this morning, but guess what? You pushed through, and I believe because you pushed through, God has something in store for you. I want to thank our online viewers for tuning in. God has something for you, too. He is omnipresent. Hallelujah. Who's ready to worship the Lord? Who knows that there's a name above all names? That there's blessing and honor and glory. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Name above all names. Name above all names. Blessing, blessing and honor. And honor. Name above all names.
because without you, we could this could not be possible because of the people of God that come together to worship the one and true living God. And his name is Jesus Christ, the one that saved you and redeemed you from the, the cruts and the and the and the miry clay and from the, the the control of sin and God delivered you and yet He have caused you to walk in new life and you've decided to walk with Christ and because of that we're going to live this Christ-centered life and we give God thanks another day. Those who are present here, we're going to just pray that God will bless us today in this service. That God will has already imported a word in us, and we believe a word that will come that will stir our spirits, that will unctionize us to walk in the newness of life each and every day. If we could just lift our hands in the presence of God, let's pray today's service that God will have his way. Father, we give you thanks this day. We honor you. We give you praise because you are great and mighty. Father, there is none like thee. We will not yet take this lightly. We will understand that, God, every moment, every time coming together in your presence to worship you is something that we should never take, look, uh, as it's a continuous, it's a, it's a routine, it's, a, it's, it's maybe something of reverence, something of, of an importance that, God, if even our very life, oh, God, is, is the haste to it. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're going to do and what you've done. Those who are needing a touch from God in their body, in their spirit, I pray that, God, you will meet them at the very need, and I pray they will open their hearts to what God is about to do. We pray that those who are dealing with issues and pain, that dealing with things that cannot be even expressed, Father, you can reach those areas. You can go to places where we cannot understand in the surface, but we pray that, God, you will use us, look, God, use us as an instrument, look, God, for your work and your kingdom be established, God, for we are your workmanship created unto good works. I pray that you will anoint the praise team. Anoint right now. Look at those who should minister before we should hear the preached word. I pray the servants will be captivated by your presence and by your power. We pray, Lord God, that the report of the Lord is true because we will believe you, for you have done it before and you have continued to do what it can. We pray that, God, your kingdom be established. Bless every ministry in this house. We pray for every soul that is watching those near and far. And we pray a blessing for our online congregation. Those who are dealing with hurts, those who are dealing with pain, those who are dealing with issues, those who are dealing with, oh God, traumatic situations, God. We pray a certain earth of healing be sent forth through these airwaves and those who are watching later. In the name of Jesus, let us put our hands together. Let us usher a praise unto the Lord. For the Lord is good. His mercies is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. In Jesus' name.
Come on, let's continue to worship the Lord this morning. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. The Lord bless you. You may be seated if you can. Praise God. Amen. We want to take this time out to greet everyone in the mighty name of Jesus. We want to welcome everyone in the house of God this morning. So glad that you are here to worship the Lord with us this morning. Amen. Our online congregation will welcome you this morning. Praise God. We pray that whatever you're doing this morning, you can just put it aside and just shut in with the Lord this morning. Amen. The Lord have something in store for us. And the only way we can receive what the Lord has for us is by us shutting in with the Lord this morning. Amen. Thank you, praise and worship this morning. Amen. Another beautiful day to be alive and well. Amen. Whenever you can be in this side of the earth. Amen. It's always a good thing. Amen. Amen. We can see each other. We can greet each other. We can talk to each other. Amen. So we uh, commend everyone for braving the weather to be here this morning. Amen. He didn't have to make us live this morning. Amen. But he made us live and we're here this morning to praise and to give him glory and all the honor this morning. So we welcome you all this morning to in the house of God. I'm so glad that you came to worship the Lord with us this morning. Amen. Just uh, by the way of announcement, this Thursday, this Wednesday, this Tuesday evening at 730, um, we're shifting our Bible study because Thursday is Thanksgiving. And uh, so we're celebrating our Thanksgiving. Tuesday evening, we're going to have our Thanksgiving service here. So we want to invite everyone, those who can, amen, just to shift a schedule there. Hopefully you can adjust your schedule accordingly, amen, and accommodate our service uh, this coming Tuesday at 7.30, amen. Come and be in the house of God with us if you're able to. We're going to have a good time in the Lord. We're looking forward to have a great time in the Lord, to praise and to worship the Lord, amen. So feel free, pass the word on, invite someone to service on uh, Tuesday evening for Thanksgiving service. And that we can just have a good time in the Lord. Amen. Everyone say, it's offering time. One more time. It's offering time. Amen. This is the time of a service where we also receive our blessings. Amen. We're going to invite you all, if you could stand with us as we get ready to transition to our offering uh, this morning. And we pray that, you know, as you know, we're continuing in our reach uh, drive. It goes for two years. Um, if you're not able to... Um, uh, uh, contribute towards your reach if you already did we thank you whatever the lord bless on your heart and you can continue to be a blessing amen continue to be a blessing to the ministry amen let's bow our heads as we pray father god we love you we thank you for what we have already felt in the service oh god we ask you lord god that you'll continue to bless the remaining portion of this service oh god we ask you anointing upon the man of god as he come to preach this morning we ask you, Lord God, as you're about to receive this morning offering, that you'll bless every giver. Oh, God, those who have to give and those who have not likewise, make a way so that we can continue to be a blessing in your kingdom, oh, God. We look to you. We worship and we praise you. And we thank you for everything in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Bring your tithes and offer them to the Lord. Amen.
clap your hands unto the Lord. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Hallelujah. I am glad to be in the house of the Lord. Thank God for another day that he has made. And he has made me glad. Has he made you glad? He has made me glad. He has made me glad. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He has made me glad. I want to thank God for all of you this morning. So glad to be a part of the family of God. It is God that brought us together. And um, we are just so grateful for his goodness and his mercy. And um, he has been good to us. And um, it's a wonderful privilege to be a part of the kingdom of God, part of the family of God. 
And so we are so thankful. And so we thank God for each and every one of you. Just a, by way of announcement, a couple of quick things I want to mention to you. And then we have a few people we need to pray for. Um, but we have our annual Christmas banquet uh, coming up December 23rd. Um, as I mentioned, we have switched venues. Uh, we switched from the Marriott in Princeton to KC Prime Restaurant here in Lawrence, um, just up the road off Quaker Bridge Road. And so the cost is $25. Please see Sister Sylvia. Where's Sister Sylvia? Raise your hand, Sister Sylvia. Go and see her with your $25. If you'd like to attend, I encourage all of you to attend. We have a great time in the Lord. And uh, to be a Christian just doesn't, you don't, you don't want people to see you as a Christian only inside the building where we go to worship. The Bible said, let our light shine bright before men that they will see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. People expect you to be holy and be righteous and be a worshiper here. But when they see you outside of here, what do they see? And I think you will have a great impact on them as well when they are able to see you outside of here and mingling. So we want you to be a part of that. $25 and first come, first serve once all tickets are sold. That's it. You don't know how many tickets there are, but I'm telling you, we can't, if everybody decides to go, we might not be able to fit everybody. So if you plan to go, no time to um, wait. Just get to it and do it. Amen. Say again. Uh, kids 12 through um, 17, the cost for them is $15, and um, 11 and under is for free. As I mentioned this morning, though, I know some of you, um, want to go out, want to have dates if you're married, and you want to hang out and have a good time without children, and so you'll prefer to leave them home or leave them with someone that can take care of them for you. If that's the case, that's fine. If you can't find anyone, then bring them. Uh, we just don't want anyone to miss out on a banquet if they really want to be there. So please come. And this Tuesday evening at 730, uh, we're having our Thanksgiving Day service. Amen. Thanksgiving Day is Thursday, and um, for me, I just couldn't see us. Uh, we've done it before, and then I didn't feel good about it, where the week of Thanksgiving, we don't have anything going on because uh, Thanksgiving fall on a Thursday. We normally don't have Bible study on that Thursday. And so the week of Thanksgiving, we don't do anything. So this Thursday, um, we will not be here, but Tuesday we will be here. So not tomorrow, Monday, but Tuesday we will be here at 730. And our service will be a lot different. Um, we have um, encouraged some of you to, um, if you can, you know, take uh, three to five minutes to share with us on Tuesday the things that you are thankful unto the Lord for. Uh, sometimes, you know, we can say it within ourselves, but, you know, I've come to know and come to learn that when you declare what God has done outwardly, publicly, you give glory to God. And so if you would like to be here Tuesday to give glory to God by saying, of the goodness of the Lord, um, we would like for you to come and you could be a part of that. And um, that will really be a blessing to, I'm sure, some others. So show up Tuesday at 730 and let's give God thanks and praise for all the good things that he is doing. Amen. We have a guest with us this morning and we want to greet her in Jesus name. Vinette Falk, if you can just raise your hand, Vinette. Amen. Vinette, nice to have you. Hallelujah. Vinette is a guest of Mr. Lloyd. Vinette, so good to have you this morning. We're so glad that you took the time out to worship with us this morning. You could have been any place else, 
but you allowed yourself to be here this morning, and we are really, really um, thankful that you came to be with us, and we know that it was God's hand that directed you here this morning. Oftentimes, we think that, you know, we just show up to church just on our own. We might show up on some, some other places on our own, but nobody shows up to church on their own. Only the Lord influenced you to be in the house of God. Nobody just pops up and just be in the house of the Lord. Anytime you find yourself in the house of the Lord, the Lord influenced you because it's always his will that we are in the house of the Lord. So we welcome you, Mrs. Annette, and if there's anything we can do, please let us know. Amen. We thank God for Minister Isaiah this morning. He preached about opposite of tracks. Great message. Something to ponder, some things to think about. Amen. I, I stood back there. I said, we, we might have to start calling him Professor. You know, professor Asker. You know, he say things to make you, you know, ponder. You take your time and listen. And we appreciate him. All the talented people and gifted people that God has brought into this church and how he uses us all differently. We, we ought to thank God for that because that's what we want. We want a diverse church. We don't want everybody to be the same. We don't want everybody to be the same. We want you to have your own personality. And we want, to, want you to be allow God to use you the way God wants to use you. And so we thank God for the diversity of the ministry and what he's doing in this church. Amen. I want you to stand with me, and if you can, turn your Bible with me to Joshua chapter 1. Amen. I feel strongly this morning that I have a word for Christ-centered church. This word is for this church. But as you know, God's word is so good that it can really, really be for this church and for everyone else that listens to it. That, that may not be a part of this church. And so we have a word from the Lord this morning. And um, I pray that you will allow God to speak to your hearts. And you'll allow God to help you this morning because God wants to say something into our hearts. As we get ready to pray, there are a few prayer requests that I have this morning. I want you to pray for um, uh, a pastor's wife in our district and her family. Um, Sister Bueso, um, she's a pastor's wife. Her brother was killed in Honduras. Um, he was killed savagely. For those of you that have seen these things, he was killed. Um, the person that killed him used a machete to kill him. So you know that is savage. And so we need to pray for her um, and her family that God's hand will be upon them and God will help them through this time. I cannot imagine losing a family member in that kind of manner. Anytime you lose a family member, it's devastating. But then on top of it, in the manner that they lost them. So Keep the Boweso family in your prayers that God will help them. Also, um, I want you to pray with me um, for Paul Brantley. Paul Brantley is um, faithful to this church. Um, he attends online services constantly. And um, he just texted me. Never been thought the days... I, in in this hour, I would bring my phone to the pulpit. Back in the day when I was in, uh, when phones, you know, I guess they were out long enough. But when I went to church back in the day, I used to leave my phone in my car. I used to leave my phone in my car. And now the way our things are, I bring my phone in the pulpit with me. And I'm like, man, this is weird. 
but I'm kind of glad that I do, and I know why I do it, and it's for things like this. Um, Paul Brantley texted me, and he said, good morning. I would like to apologize for my inconsistent attendance at the 1030 online service. I've been having upper respiratory problems that have been causing me breathing difficulties. Please include me in your prayers, because God is a form of medicine. This is what Paul Brantley wrote, so I wanted to share that with you. He believed God is medicine to him, and he wants us to pray for his upper respiratory um, problem and that God will touch him and heal him. As God to touch his body, he has had some issues physically. He has had some issues, as you can hear, in um, upper respiratory. Mary, that um, um, comes sometimes. Uh, we need to pray for Mary. She is not feeling well. And for all of you that are experiencing um, sickness and and need God to touch you in your body. Um, let's pray for everyone that is sick in their body that needs a touch from the Lord. And let's pray this morning that God will speak to us and that we will receive and respond to God's word. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you are the healer. And as Mr. Brantley said, Lord God, you are medicine. We're so thankful, oh God, that we can call upon your name. That we can petition and ask, oh God, and that you will do according to your will. God, we touch and agree this morning for Paul Brantley. That, Lord God, you will touch his upper respiratory issues, Lord God. And, Lord God, I command his upper respiratory issue, Lord God, to loose him, Lord God. That by your stripe he will be touched and be healed and be made whole even now, Lord God. I pray complete healing and wholeness and strength. In his body, Lord God, from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, Lord God, I pray for Paul Brantley that the will of God be done in his life and that you will touch him and heal him. I pray your strength upon him and that you will save his soul, almighty God, according to your will. Bless his family, his household, Lord God, and let your will be done in their life, oh God. We pray this morning for Mary that you will touch her and heal her, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray for the Mueso family, Lord God, and all that is connected to them, Lord, that, Lord, you will move in their situation even now, that, Lord, you will comfort them, that, Lord, you will help them only the way you can. We pray your will to be done in their life, and you will show yourself mighty, and that they will draw nigh unto you, Lord. Have your way with them, Lord. Touch Sister Stacy, Lord God, and heal her, Lord. Touch Bob, Lord God, and heal him, Lord. Those who are sick this morning, whether they're here present or they've joined us via live stream, will you heal their bodies? Will you touch their mind? Will you make them whole like only you can? And I pray that you'll pour out your spirit this morning upon all flesh and the will of God be done in this service today. Speak to us, Lord, but help us more than anything else uh, to receive the engrafted word of God uh, and become doers uh, of your word. Uh, have your way this morning, Lord, uh, as we give you the praise and the honor. We ask you these things uh, in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Uh, can everybody in the house of the Lord say amen? amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What'd you say, Brother Sharp? 
Glory. That's it. We get done in the morning. Brother Kellerman, pray the prayers. And Brother Shaw, give us the dismissal. Glory. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Amen. The family of God. I love the family of God. I love it. I enjoy all of it. All of it. Just give it all to me, Lord. It's the family of God. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1 and we'll read from verse 1 through verse 8. A lot of meat. If you obeyed this morning, I'm going to try my best to help you to follow along. But this is meat this morning. Meat and potatoes. Joshua chapter 1 verse number 1 says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying. I like that already because it says after the death of Moses. Moses was the leader. Moses was the pastor. The Bible says the Lord spake unto Joshua. And if you want to get into that a little bit, I'm just, it, it gripped me. Everything about what I'm preaching to you this morning has just consumed me. And, and when he said the Lord spake unto Joshua, it's interesting. The first thing came to my mind was this. The Lord was speaking to the leader while the leader was leading. The Lord was speaking to the leader while the leader was leading. When the leader was no longer leading, the Lord chose another leader and started speaking to that leader. What did he say to Joshua? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you. As I said unto Moses, this is the Lord talking to Joshua. He says, he said this unto Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Watch this. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses so I will be with thee I will not fail thee nor forsake thee be strong and of good courage for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Watch this. You're going to miss it, but I'll explain it to you. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. The law which Moses, my servant, command thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left hand, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. 
There's one more scripture that I'm going to read, but I got to point this out to you because this is important. These are all the things that the Lord is sharing with me as I'm studying to bring this word to you this morning. The Lord says, be sure to obey the law that my servant Moses, the Lord could have said, be sure to obey the law that I have spoken. But he said, my servant. And the first thing that hit me, Brother Jones, was this. The man of God that God put in your life, whether he is in it or he's not in it, whatever God gave him to give to you, you don't need to forsake it. There are people that my pastor have spoken words to. He has shown them and given them instruction how to live their life. And they have decided to live it a different way now. I'm here to tell you people that what God says to his prophet, to his servant, to his leader, to tell you, you have no right to disobey or neglect it because he is no longer pastoring you. Because whatever the pastor is saying, if he's in the book, you need to stick with it and not decide that now it's time to do something else because he's old or he's dead it doesn't matter if he's old or he's dead when God was using him he was speaking God's word you can't neglect what he was speaking to you that don't matter anymore are you kidding me and there are many people that the men of God has spoken into their life, has spoken the word of God, has preached the gospel to them. And they said, good at the time, they took it. And at the time, it looked like they obeyed it. And today, they're doing something different. They're doing something different. And this is the word of God that God said only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, Moses, God is backing up his servant. Do all that Moses told you to do. And now we decide Moses old or Moses is dead. We don't need to listen. We don't need to do that anymore. If God never changes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he never changes, his word doesn't change. And if Moses preaches his word, it can't change. So God is just backing up his word that his servant preaches. It don't change. Why was it good back then, but it ain't good now? Why was it good back then, but it's not good now? Was it, some, some, was it false doctrine when he preached? If it wasn't false, false doctrine when he preached it, why do we not do it now? Why do we decide, oh, we don't need to do that now? Well, then you're saying he was preaching false doctrine. And if it wasn't false doctrine, who gives you the right to decide, I don't need to do that anymore? Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I want to talk to you this morning on this topic. Prosperity and good success. I know when apostolic preachers hear prosperity, they get nervous. But I'm in the book. I didn't come out of the book. Right? In verse 8, in the scripture, it says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, meaning the word of God should not leave you. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, 
that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. But then thou, for then thou shalt make thy way. It's in the book, right? Uh-huh. And then thou shalt have good success. So I'm preaching to you this morning, prosperity and good success. You may be seated. The book of Joshua is distinctly the is, is distinctly the book of the inheritance and links very intimately with the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. So when you read Joshua and then you go over into Ephesians, you will see some similarities because those two books talk a lot about inheritance. So in Joshua, you hear about the inheritance. In the book of Ephesians, you hear about the inheritance. One is in the Old Testament, Joshua, and one is in the New Testament, Ephesians. We have the manifestation of divine life in the book of Genesis, redemption in the book of Exodus, then the entrance into the holiest and the believer's sanctification typically set forth in Leviticus, the people of God under trial and testing in the book of Numbers, and the government of God in the book of Deuteronomy. Then we naturally move right on to the book of Joshua in which we have the people of the Lord entering upon their inheritance. As we open this book, we are introduced to the divinely appointed leader who is to guide the people into their inheritance. Whether we like it or not, the way how God's kingdom operate is God choosing leaders to lead. One, yes, that's how it goes. Everybody has a head shake because we have struggles with that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we like to say, everybody ain't right. I've learned this. When you submit to God's leader or supposedly God's leader, you don't have to worry about anything else. God says the battle belongs to the Lord. And somehow we're Christians and we want to fight our own battles. If the Lord has a leader leading you and in your mind, I don't know about that leader. Why don't you let God deal with that leader if you're that trustworthy of God? If you really depend on God and you think the person that God is supposed to be using to lead is not right, why don't you trust God to handle that? That's not our responsibility. The battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. And if that leader is bad enough and corrupt enough, sooner or later, God will either remove that leader or make a way for you to come out from under that leader. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. So once you decide in your mind, I don't know about that leader and you don't follow him, you put your own life in jeopardy. Because God didn't tell you to take the, the responsibility in your own hands to decide how you're going to lead yourself. God chooses leaders for, for you to lead you, and you have to go with that. If you don't like that, you're not going to get to heaven, or you're going to have a hard time getting to heaven. Because the way God decided to get us to heaven is by choosing leaders to lead us to the promised land. That is not going to change. 
if you if, if someone leave one church to go to another church, you got to be under a leader. It never changes. So God chooses his leaders and our responsibility is to submit to God's leader. We read first of the death of Moses. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. It's very interesting to me that it wasn't until Moses died that the Lord started giving Joshua instructions to lead the people. While Moses was leading, Joshua received instructions from Moses. Again, if you don't like the leader for whatever the reasons are, you better figure it out real quick. Because wherever you go, that's God's setup. And we're always going to see things in people that we say, eh, eh. we're always going to hear something that we might not feel real comfortable with. But the bottom line is, if God has chosen that leader to lead, let the leader lead. If you've got a problem, take that to God, but don't take it to nobody else and don't take it to the leader because that's God's person. And you can't tell God he don't know what he's doing because God knows everything. While Moses was leading, Joshua received instructions from Moses, not the Lord. Everybody want to hear from the Lord. Everybody want to say how God spoke to them. Can God speak to everybody? Does God speak? Yes, he does. But concerning God's church, he guides his people through the leader he uses to guide his people. The leader don't have to be the smartest one in the book. The leader don't have to be the most talented one. But God uses his leader to lead his people. The leader is supposed to be an example. Mm-hmm. If the leader is not being a good, good example, then take that to the Lord. But be careful when you take something to the Lord. Be careful that you don't let any kind of stuff raise up in your heart against that leader. Because... Because when, you know, it's like going to complain about somebody. We have disdain, so we go and complain. Be careful how you take your complaint to the Lord about the leader. Not telling you can't go to the Lord about the leader, but you can't. You can, but be careful how you go. The leader must be an example. A leader must be an example. You cannot lead people to do what you're not doing. You cannot lead people to do what you are not doing. You ready? Whatever you don't do as a leader in the kingdom of God, the people you lead will not do as well, and your leadership will not be effective. Whatever you don't do, if you're leading people, they will not do either. And all you're going to do is frustrate yourself because you're wondering why aren't they doing it, brother, sister, because you're not doing it. We are examples, and one of the things about leadership is you people expect for you to be better than them, whether that's good or bad, whether that's not, whether you want it to be that way or not, doesn't matter. That's just how people are. If you're leading them, they want to know you are better than them. They almost want you to be flawless like Jesus, but every once in a while they realize, no, they can't be flawless, but they got to be better than me. Leaders are supposed to be an example. 
If as a leader, if you don't pray, the people you lead will not pray. If as a leader, you don't worship, the people you lead will not worship. If you are not submitted to those you lead, to, to those who lead you, those you lead will not submit to you. If you do not give tithes, 10% of your earning as the word of God commands, you can be cursed in your life. And certainly the people you lead will not do it either. If you allow God to use you to be a witness and you witness the people and somehow they start coming to church and give their life to God, whatever, usually, there's always Always, small percentage of there's a difference. Whatever you are, that's what they're going to be. Quiet. Quiet. If you are a witness and you're telling people about the goodness of Jesus and you're telling people how God loves them, and you aren't doing what you're supposed to do, they might come into church, repent of their sins, get baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. They might even get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But how you live as a Christian, you become the example to them. And if you don't pay tithes, they won't pay tithes. If you don't worship, they won't worship. If you don't praise God, they won't praise God. If you don't read your Bible, they won't read their Bible. If you don't come to church all the time, they won't come to church all the time. What kind of influence are you as a leader? If we're going to be powerful as a church, we must be exemplary leaders. We must do right so others have the right example to follow. Sometimes we frustrate ourselves and we don't know why we're frustrating ourselves. God wants to use us sometimes, but there's sometimes maybe one hang up or one situation or a couple situations that you won't get over. And God is saying, I can't do what I need to do with you until you start doing right in that area. I'm telling you. God is just waiting with bated breath to do something great in your life. But if there's one or two hang ups that, that, that you have, God is saying, I can't do it because I don't need that kind of example rubbing off on others. Because once you lead people, you have influence. Whether they see what you're doing or they don't see what you're doing, when you're leading people, you become influential in their life. And whatever you're doing, they will do. Whatever you're not doing, they won't do. There's always an exception to the rule, but the exception to the rule is about 2% sometimes. If we're going to be leaders and make a difference in the kingdom of God, we have to be examples. We have to be examples. We have to do what the word of God says to do. Joshua was chosen by God to lead the people after Moses died. Why? Because Joshua was completely sold out to the leader that he was following. The leader in his older days, started being a whiner and a complainer. But the Lord called that leader, my servant Moses. My servant Moses. And so while Moses had issues in the end, or even when he was leading the people, there was something that I'm sure he rubbed the people the wrong way, but that was God's man. 
and Joshua submitted to that man. And when it was time for the, for the leadership to change, God went with the person that had demonstrated submission. Because when you lead people in the kingdom of God, what you're saying is, God, I'm submitted to you. And as you direct me, Lord, that's how I will lead the people. God cannot use any one of us to lead people in his kingdom if we can't be submitted to him. But first, we got to be submitted to our leader. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, how can you say you love God whom you have not seen when you hate your brother who you have seen? Because what God tries to show us is we normally relate to what we can see quicker. We normally relate to the tangible, the natural, and the things we can see. We normally gravitate to that first. And if you can't gravitate to that, you can't gravitate to what you can't see. So if you can't love somebody that you can see every day or every week, if you can't love them, God said, ain't no way you're going to love me who you don't see. So if you can't submit to a leader that's leading you, you will never truly submit to God because you see the leader who is leading you. You don't see God. When Moses died, God put Joshua in, the, in his place. He was to lead the people into their inheritance. The Lord had promised the land to them long before he gave it to them by title. Now he says very definitely, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. It is one thing. To have a title to an inheritance. But it's quite another thing to make it one's own practical possession. The Lord gave us four tennis courts. But he decided he wants us to go and possess it. And how does that work in some instance? Give up your money. We get offended by some things, and some of you have been great. Trust me, I don't want you to be offended. I'm trying to preach God's word to you so you understand it. God is trying to teach us a lesson, and we focus on the things that God don't want us to focus on. What do you mean by that, preacher? Sorry, dear Brother Tom. What do you mean by that, preacher? <laughs> what I mean by that is, God knows what we can do as a church. We might underestimate what we can do, but God already knows what we can do. And maybe some of us has held back. I don't know who has held back, but guess who knows? And when God gave us for a tennis court, he says, it's yours, but you're going to have to do some stuff to take hold of it. It's his word. I'm not saying something strange. He gave them the land for them to inherit. 
but they had to go in. They had to deal with some giants and all that stuff. Why did they have to do that? Because God knows what he's doing and God knows everything. And so while God said, this is yours, he's going to challenge you to go and possess it in whatever way you need to go and possess it. In this day and age, we might not have to fight giants, but what we have to do is come out of our pocketbooks and pockets and bank accounts and the stashes that we got. He's saying, come up and get that and go possess the land. But he gave us the land already. But God does things a certain way. And so we're wondering why this and why that. We need to understand that God knows what he's doing. And God already, already says it's yours. But it doesn't mean you just sit sit around idly and just be like, well, it's ours. We're good. You've got to go and take it. And how you go and take it is through prayer. It's through fasting. Sacrifice and giving. I wish I can really, I wish there was a way how we can be truthful and people know we're truthful. I wish if there was like thought bubbles or a machine or something, Sister Shauna, that says, oh, I know that's the truth right there. But but you know, because God says that's the truth right there. Because, because what I'm trying to tell you is, what I'm saying about the, the, the building is, it has nothing to do with money. But that's the way I got to communicate it to you because... Okay. Isaac. We had this in our devotion at home. We do our devotion at home on Wednesdays. And I think the last um, lesson we talked about in the house was Isaac. How the Lord, Abraham, didn't have a son. Abraham went to the extreme. Him and his wife teamed up and said, I know what we can do because God is taking too long. So I know what we can do. Let's get the let's get the um the, the the maid. Go sleep with the maid, honey, so we can have this this child. Cause cause this must be the will of God. And they didn't wait, and they went and you know the wife encouraged it. Go sleep with the, the maid. Slept with the maid. Got a son. God said that wasn't the one that I told you about. You did that, but I had nothing to do with that. Eventually, God allowed Sarah to be pregnant, and they brought forth a son named Isaac. And then the strangest thing happened. What in the world? God gave the man one son, Gabby, one son to carry on his last name. And then God says, I want you to sacrifice that son, kill that one son. Talk to me about that. Since we all godly and we know God, why in the world would God do some crazy thing like that? Let me wait all this time for a son. All this time. I'm old. He let me wait all this time. Then when the son finally came, the one and only son, he tell me to sacrifice it. So let me go back to you now to tell you this is what I'm trying. I've been trying to get across to you all with the money thing. It's not about your money. It's about your commitment to God. It's about you. The Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it's never been about the money to go get four tennis court while we're paying one point six whatever million dollars. It's not about the money because God will make it happen. If he has to bring somebody from out of the country that we don't know to give us the money, he would have. But that's not what he's doing because he knows we have it. Whether we want to give it up or not, that's on us. But that's what's going to tell God where your heart is. 
That's what's going to tell God where your sacrifice is. Because it's never about the money for God. God owns everything. So when we get all worried and all caught up in the money, God is saying, are you kidding me? How do you think money came about anyway? Everything that is in this world, it came because of God. So to ever think we should withhold anything from God, including our children, including our possessions, including our little bit of change that we've been working for or investing in. God says, are you kidding me? You're hung up on that. It's never been about the money. For us to move from here to there, it's never been about the money. God's going to make sure we get there, but God is challenging us as a church because what he's saying is, I need more sacrifice out of you. That's what he's saying. He did it to me. He did it to me. I'll go, I go around saying, oh, I still work a full-time job. I don't have to worry about taking a salary from the church. I work. He said, mm-hmm. Good, Wayne. Good, you work some full-time jobs. I tell you what, that money you got saving up over there talking about your 401k retirement, I need you to go get some money out of that. Since you, since you can walk around, Wayne, talking about good, you don't have to take money from the church. Now I need you to go take some money from the 401k and go put it in the church. I had to sacrifice. Ain't nobody exempt from how God is doing it. You think I'm going to stand up here and talk about I'm preaching the word and God don't whoop my tail and make sure I do what's right? You all got to get this thing. You got to get this thing. You got to get this thing. God is calling all of us in Christ-centered church to become more sacrificial because here it is. Don't miss it. He wants you to be more sacrificial for what he wants to do in your life because he has to be able to entrust you with what he wants to do in your life. And the only way he can trust you to do more than what you're doing is when you demonstrate submission and sacrifice to God's standard, not to your standard. To God's standard, not to your standard. When we started Reach, I thought, man... You know, I give me ten, twelve thousand dollars. That should be good. I mean, I think that's a lot of money. You don't think twelve thousand a lot, Sean? That's decent, right? So I'm thinking, all right, I can do something like that. I'll, I, and the Lord just kind of went past me, like, huh, you thought you would sacrifice something, Wayne? <laughs> you thought you was doing something? <laughs> Brother had to go get fifty thousand to give the Lord. Yep, he said, you ain't doing nothing. I didn't get offended from the Lord. I didn't get mad at the Lord. I didn't say anything other than, Lord, whatever you want. This is why I'm standing here this morning. Not because I'm good. Not because I'm flawless. I'm standing here because one thing I have not changed from doing, and that is to be completely submissive to God and completely sacrificed to God for whatever he wants. Those are the two most important things for us as Christians and living for God is to totally submit to God and to totally sacrifice unto him. If we can never get those two part together, we will do all right because God will do great things in us. But as long as we want to hold back something, you remember Anna? and safari man let me get off of this topic let me get off of this topic let me leave it alone let me let me leave it alone all i know is if you're going to lead people if you want to be an effective leader you can't go to god and pray and tell god lord the people the people the people he's gonna say what people what about you why don't you start with you first what are you doing what are you not doing 
We have to get it right before we can, God can entrust us to lead anyone. And believe me, everybody in here, God can use you to lead others. It's just a matter of, are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to submit? Are you willing to give, till, like the preacher said this morning, till it hurt? Or are you just going to keep on being comfortable and do it your way and figure out a way how to rationalize and justify things? How many of us has taken possession of the blessings and promises available to us? Just like God promised the Israelites the promised land, they had it, but they had to go take it. The Bible says we who are saved are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. But how much of our inheritance have we actually appropriated, has actually taken control of? How much do you really enjoy of that which is yours in Christ? It seems like we always just want, want, want. Like I was given um, 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 Jordan. Isaiah Jordan a hard time this morning and I gave my son Jordan a hard time because I said to them, I said, you all always getting and you seem to always be asking. Like, I'm like, I don't get this. I, they, they never stop to see all that they get. They just constantly ask. The Both Jordans, they never stop. I'm like, yo, you never stop. Like money growing trees. Yeah, you scratching your cheek over there? And this one over here? Money, money don't grow on trees. Stop doing it. How about you go to your mom and say, Mom, what can I do today without wanting some money? Because you know when they say, what can I do? They saying it because they want you to give them some money for something. How about you all go to your parents? You ain't got to go to me, Jordan. Go to your mom. And you go to your mom and say, Mom, what can I do today? No strings attached. I just want to do something nice. Not a, I'm not asking for anything. I just want, what do you need me to do, mom? I want to do something nice. Both Jordans. I'm going to check with your moms later on or next week to find out if you all went to your mother and said, what can I do, mom? I don't want to, I don't want any money. I just want to know what can I do. Let's see how that works. Because y'all just keep on gimme, gimme, gimme. Many of us live in doubt, trouble. And perplexity, most of the time, we fail to enter into and enjoy that which God has provided us. God has blessed us with spiritual things in heavenly places, but we have to take it and live in it. We can't just say, oh, I'm blessed and highly, show me the blessing and highly favoredness. Show me the blessing and the highly favoredness. In verse 7, I'm going to take this to a close. In verse 7 of our text that we read earlier today, it says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Victory depended on their adherence to the word of God, and it is just the same today. Victory in our life depends on our adherence or obedience to the word of God. We want victory, 
but we don't want victory obeying the word of God. The only way, church, we can ever get God's victory is when we obey God's word. We have so much more of God's word than they did back in the day. They had the five books of Moses and possible the book of Job. So, so they had Genesis, uh, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and maybe Job. That's what they had back in the day. Now we have the whole Bible, and God calls upon us to study and learn his word. We must let the word of God be our counsel, the food of our soul, and the sword which we use to face the enemy. We've got to know how important the word of God really is for us to have victory. We want victory. It's like, it's like a couple, a uh, married couple having issues and, 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 and challenges. I always say, when two people in the church get divorced, one or both decided they're not obeying God. When two people inside the church get divorced, one or both have decided, I'm not obeying God. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's the word of God. But if both people that are married or any relationship at all decide, we will allow the word of God to be our counsel. You will be together till death do your part. If you will allow the word of God to be your counsel. If you will allow the word of God to be the authority that rules in your life. But if the word of God only is supposed to come in play, uh, you know, sometimes, then you will have some problems. And great problems at times. The word of God must be the counsel and authority in your life all the time, not some of the time. That's what keeps things tight. That's what makes things work. <laughs> you hear that, ladies? Ain't nothing, no, can nothing deal with a hard-headed man but the word of God. That's it. Not no woman. Don't be, I, I've said this before, ladies, don't be tricked to think that you think because you look pretty because you got all the right curves that you can get him to do whatever you want. You might get him initially, but eventually, if he ain't a man of God, you're going to see, oh, Lord, because can't nothing tame a man but God. Can't nothing control a man but God. I'm telling you, ladies, can't nothing do it. And when you get older, he start looking at somebody younger. You can't win. You can't win. So what you think you can use to get him, it, it's just temporary. It's a deception. Can't do it. The only thing that keeps a man right is God. Nothing else. We crazy. And you know, one of the big reasons with that, I told you all, come to marriage meet when we get it next year. But here's the big reason with it. God created man to always see with his eyes. That's a problem. That's a problem. So when he saw you, he saw you with his eyes. But I'm schooling you to death. He saw you with both eyes. But guess what the problem is? He ain't always looking at you. So just like he looked at you, he can look at her. You get it now? So the only time we get, the only time we stay right here the preacher. So when a girl come up beside me or kind of in my 
um, um, my, my purview, as my peripheral. The girl in my peripheral, and she's shapely. You know what I do? Not because of anything other than I'm trying to please God. Not the woman. Ooh, y'all don't like that, Shauna. Not because I'm trying to please God. Not because I'm trying to please the woman. Because we can't help ourselves. Woo! Mm. Yes, sir! So I don't care how beautiful your wife is, brother. If no God, woo! Make ugly face just saying woo. But when we living for God, Shauna, when we see it, we turn quick. We don't even give ourselves a chance to look at nothing else. We make sure we don't get a shot. I'm just telling you how a godly man lives. That's what keeps us. The fear of God, the reverence of God is what keeps us from doing that. But no God, please, we're looking at that one, we're looking at that one, we're looking at that one. And the longer you look, the more you want it. Don't get me started. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't want to hear. I don't know what y'all want to hear in this church, but I'm giving you the truth as the Lord will let you know it. This is truth. It's only God that gets man on the right track. And so, woman, if I'm you, you go get godly and you tell him if he ain't godly, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. Because just like you like me, you're going to like her. Just like how you telling me sweet nothings, you're going to tell her sweet nothings. It's not going to change. It's the same thing over and over. But when he gets God, then you can say, well, honey, we're supposed to be living for God, aren't we? And so we both live according to the word of God. <laughs> Ooh, I done messed up some stuff now. Then stirred it up. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So here is where I am. I'm getting very close. It says, this word of the law shall not depart from out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. The word meditation just hit me hard. The word meditation means to mutter. The Hebrew translation for the word meditate means to mutter. It was the practice of the Jews to read scripture aloud and talk about it to themselves and then to each other. You hear me this morning, church? Well, this afternoon. When the Bible tells you to meditate, it's saying speak God's word out loud mutter it continuously to keep remembering it, to keep thinking about it, and then speak to others about it. That's how you get the word of God to be engrafted in your heart, and then you can live it out in practical ways every day. All right, watch this. 
When one continually mutters God's word to himself or herself, he is constantly thinking about the word. You ever try to learn a song, Ethan? Okay. 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 We have what we call in our movement in United Pentecostal Church and the National, we have um, a ministry called Bible quizzing. A lot of our Bible quizzers became really good preachers. Because Bible quizzing is to study the word and memorize it and then recite it. Meditation does not mean theoretical speculation about the word of God, such as the Pharisees indulged in, but a practical study of the word for the purpose of of observing it in thought and in action or carrying it out with the heart, the mouth and the hand. Such a mode of employing it would be sure to be followed by the blessings of God. So, church, if I haven't gotten anything across to you today, hear this. We need to read the word and meditate on it. Meditation means to mutter. Meditation means to keep saying it in your mind. Keep saying it under your breath. That's what meditation is. I love you, Jesus. There's a a scripture that I remember because I had to remember this and I got to keep remembering. I don't know if it's 1 John 1 and 9 or 2 John 1 and 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I ain't never forgot that one. In in John chapter 9 verse 31 where it says, God hear it not a sinner, but to him that will be a worshiper of God, hear me hear it. I won't forget those things because they're too significant to impact our lives and living for God. You got to hear the word, read the word aloud, meditate, mutter it under your breath so when the time comes, you can quote it and you can spit it out and you can apply it into your life. That's what we need to do, but we're living for God in a in a theoretical way, in in an intellectual way and not in a practical way. You know what I heard the other day? I don't know how further I'm going to get. God God messed me up the other day. When we were coming up, (laughs) when we were coming up um, in the church when we were young, I've got two two boys that are, one is getting ready to turn 33, 33, and one just turned 31. Those are my two oldest kids, right? And when we were in church, when they were younger and we were younger, we lived for God like it was nobody's business. We were just sold out. This is what they call sold out. I mean, we were sold out. Everything, God, 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 everything. And we got older, and my two boys aren't in church um, the way I would like for them to be, living for God, serving God. They're both gifted and blessed by God to do things. Um, my oldest, I think that God has called him to preach. My second oldest, I think he's supposed to be a part of praise and worship. They would be, they would kill it if they would submit to God. But they, they haven't gotten to that place yet. And, you know, that challenges me sometimes. And for years, I kept saying, man, Maybe if I would have put more emphasis on 
doing some things with them and working with them and all this stuff, maybe they would be better off now. And here's what God hit me with the other day because I'm in this, studying this. Here's what God hit me with that is very powerful, wife. <laughs> Listen to this, wife. Whether we want to like it or not, how we were living for God was right. This is what he hit me with the other day. Here's the story. Everyone have their mind to do whatever they want to do. God gave us all free will. And because we were gung-ho and making God everything in our life, it didn't mean our kids were supposed to just decide, you know, rebel or be mad or not serve God because they thought that they were in church too much. That was a choice they made. And so us battling in our mind, talking about maybe we should have did this. And, and then God brought me to how we started in the past, I don't know, 10 years. We started saying, oh, my family is so important. I got to cater to my family. I got to make sure I take care of my family. And when we say that, that's code word to say I won't go to as many church services. That's code word to say I can't be involved in every event. That's code word to say I can't do a lot for the church right now because I got my family. When people start fa saying family, that's code word to say back off, let me do a little bit different and not all sold out. Code word. You can be mad all you want. I know. I've been living for God for a little bit. And the Lord hit me hard to let me know, Wayne, no, you got to sell out. Because this is what he showed me. He showed me athletics. I heard the testimony, and I call it testimony, of this coach that he's considered one of the greatest coach ever. He used to coach the Cowboys. Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson was a great, great college coach. Awesome. Then he came into the NFL and became a great NFL coach. He is so good that even he's he been retired for a long time. He lived on a boat down in the Keys. People come down to his boat, fly down to the Keys to ask him questions. They fly him to these big corporations for him to give speech on how to develop people in teams. He's just that good. Well, here's the story. One of his son, I think his name is Chad, became an alcoholic. Jimmy was all in when he was coaching in Miami. He was coaching um, 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 Miami Hurricanes in college. He was all in when he was in the NFL coaching the Cowboys and then coaching the Miami Dolphins. And he was just blinkers on, serving, coaching. And he said he beat himself up for not being there for his son, Chad, to be able to help Chad. He said he beat himself up. Now, the good news is Chad, Chad has turned his life around and now kind of runs two clinics, Alcohol Anonymous. So Chad turned his life around eventually. But here is what it hit me and the Lord started showing me these things. It came down to this. If Jimmy didn't commit himself to coaching like he did, he could have never been what he was. So here's what we're faced with, church. You can choose to incorporate everything in your life, little of this, little of that, little of that. You will never be good at none of it. You will never be none of it. Spread it on out and say, I got a balanced life. Good. But what you supposed to be in God, you will never be. 
Because you cannot be what God called you to be by spreading everything out and doing a little of this and a little of that and a little of that. I'm sorry if that hurts you. Talk to the Lord about it. But this is what the Lord dealt with me about until I preached it this morning, is that we have become so careful and so intellectual and so intelligent. Now we're telling you how we're trying to guide and govern our life in a certain way so we can be well-rounded, so we can be balanced. God didn't call us to be well-rounded. God didn't call us to be balanced. God says, serve me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. You tell me where there's balance in that. Then he says, this law shall not depart out of your mouth because you shall meditate on. You know what, you know what else he brought me into? If we're supposed to meditate on the word of God day and night, when don't you meditate on it? Think about that. I'm just just telling you, this is what he dealt with. When do we not meditate if we're supposed to do it day and night? Don't say evening because in the Jewish understanding, there's only day and night. There's no other thing. We might say afternoon. There's There's nothing else. We might say morning. According to how this Bible was written in the in in the Middle Eastern way, there's only day. So if you're meditating on the word day and night, tell me when you're not meditating on it. Then I went a little deep. I said, and even when you're asleep, God will give you a godly dream. So when do you escape the word of God? When do you decide, oh, I can just balance over here and do this? When do we decide, I don't have to give so much, I can just do this? I'm here to tell you, living for God is a way of life. It's not something you do. Living for God is a way of life. It's not something you do. It's not an event. It's not a place you go to. Living for God is a way of life. It is supposed to be how your life is lived and conducted. Living for God, obeying his word, submitting to him, prayer, studying the word, meditating on the word. It's everything. That's how we're supposed to live our life. But we have treated living for God as something we do. It's just, it's like everything else. It's like going to work. It's, 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 like, it's like taking care of our children. It's like, it's, it's like, you know, all of our hobbies. It's just another thing that we do. And God sent me here to tell you this morning, this afternoon, living for him is not something you do. This is why he says you mutter the word under your breath. You keep on reciting the word in your mind. You do it until it becomes a part of you so you can live it out. This is not something that you just do. And so even though I have apologized to my oldest kids, my older kids, about how I live my life, I realize it was necessary. I realize if I didn't do it, I wouldn't be here today. I realize if if I was going to be who God wanted me to be, I, I, I couldn't do it. Some people, some people decide I'll go to church today. Maybe I won't go today. I never did that when I was living for God. That's what sold out means. Because this generation don't know what sold out to Jesus means. They just know about attending church services. They just know about, you know, um, the blessings of God, the goodness of God. But when I was living for God in, 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 in my late 20s, when I was living for God like that, let me tell you something. We were sold out. We would go to three services on one day on a Sunday. Three. Three services sold out. And then I started feeling bad. And it wasn't until recently that the Lord just corrected me. Boy, stop feeling bad. 
They said, and I've said this before, they said the reason why the, 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 the country of Brazil is so good at football, some of you call it soccer, football, is because from five years old they start playing ball nonstop. And for you to be great at anything, I mean become expert at anything, you have to do it for 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours if you want to become an expert in anything. You don't want to be an expert in Jesus? We don't want to be an expert in Jesus? Jesus is just on the side because it's something we do. Jesus is just on the side. It's something we do. For some of us, please, don't take, don't take this wrong. I'm just telling you, when you sold out, I'm in both services in Christ Center Church. Uh-huh. Say whatever you want. Y'all gonna get upset with me, but I just gotta say how God is putting it in my heart. If I was in this church and I wasn't a pastor, I would be in both services. It's just me. Just 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 say in your mind, yeah, you're a little kind of different. Just say it in your mind. It's okay. It's okay. But that's where I would be. Because when you're talking about a lifestyle, that's not something you do. It's who you are. It's how you conduct your life. And unfortunately, some people just, it's just an event. I hope to God everybody get to understand what I'm saying and make them living for God a lifestyle. A lifestyle. Not something you do. Not something that, oh, you know, I got to get to heaven. It needs to be a lifestyle. You got to meditate, mutter, recite the word of God in your mind constantly without ceasing. If not, we'll just be <laughs> There's a reason, Brother Sharp, why we struggle living for God. Because if it's not a lifestyle, you're going to struggle. Struggling for God, struggling living for God, <laughs> and going through some struggles is different. Struggling, living for God, and going through some struggles is different. Struggling, living for God, meaning you are not sold out. And so that's why you're struggling sometimes, because you're not sold out. But when you're sold out, some struggles come. But you know, they come and they're going to go. This too shall pass, because I will overcome it. Because God is on my side. Didn't he tell them? He said, as I was with Moses, Joshua, so I will be with you. And if I'm with you, no man can stand against you. So we will have oppositions and we will have struggles, but we will not struggle to live for God if we're sold out living for God. And this includes everything. Everything. Let's stand. And so if we're going to have Good success. If we're going to prosper, we have to meditate on the word without ceasing. We have to keep the word in our mouth and in our heart. We can't just live for God like it's something we do. Listen to this. We're talking about 
Christian success is, me- is measured differently from the world's success. Don't forget that. And we can't bring worldly success into the church to think it's the same. So while worldly success means I've got a great retirement, I've got a nice home, I've treated my family good, while that's worldly success, that's not Christian success. In the life of the Christian believer, prosperity and success aren't measured by the same standards. If you set out on your own to become prosperous and successful, you will achieve your goal and live to regret it. I'll say it again. If you set out on your own, your own, no God, to become prosperous and successful, you may achieve your goal and live to regret it. How can you say that, preacher? Go talk to all, a lot of rich people I know. They're, they were miserable. What's the boy name that hung himself? The one that was the pedophile dude? They said the dude owned the island. Epstein, on an island, he hung himself, or however he died. So don't tell me what I'm telling you is wrong this morning. If you set out to be prosperous and successful, you may achieve it, but live to regret it. Because you did it on your own, and you don't know more than God. Uh Uh-huh. This Scottish novelist George MacDonald wrote, In whatever man does without God, he will fail miserably or succeed more miserably. If you set out to do it without God. We're deceiving ourselves in thinking that we need to live this balanced life. Little of this, little of that, sprinkle that in. No, sell out. Give it all to God. Give it all to God. Brother Scarlett is an example. I am an example. And many of you are examples. He sold out for God. He owns his own business. Growing up, I wanted to be a businessman. I sold out for God, and it never stopped anything from happening. I became a businessman to the point where I'm like, I'm slow this down, Lord. I don't want to do that no more. Ask, ask my parents. When I was young, I wanted to dress up and go to work. I want to wear a suit to work. That's what I told them. Go ask them. Yeah, I want to be a businessman. I want to wear a suit to work. That's what I told them. And I sold out to God. It didn't stop that. I still did it. And that's what people are not understanding. You think selling out for God is going to stop what God, what, what you can achieve in life. And that you're only going to achieve what God wants you to. What you want to. Only what God wants you to is what you're going to achieve. If we will live for God and sell out for God and let the word of God be in our mouth where we're meditating on it, we will achieve our purpose in God. Success. Success. Is living your life to fulfill God's purpose for your life. That's what success is. If you're living your life and you achieve material things, 
and all the other things that you achieved and you never achieved God's purpose for your life, you fail. You fail. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how good your retirement is. I don't care what you achieved. I don't care what education level you got up to. If you didn't fulfill God's purpose for your life, you failed at life. Because life came from Jesus Christ. And he determined the terms of what a successful life is and what it isn't. So if you decide that a successful life is your achievements, then you have failed in life. Don't let the word of God depart out of your mouth. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Psalms 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in its season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Verse Timothy 4 and 12 says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in the spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself holy, not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y. Give thyself holy to them that they, that, that thy prophet may appear to all. Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt be saved, or th- th- thou shalt save both thyself and them that hear thee. Meditate. Church, I'm going to challenge you today. Will you change how you've been living for God? Will you change how you've been living for God? Or are you going to just continue doing it the same way? Show up in the house of God as a visit. Can't wait for the preacher to get done. Only listen to the part that sounds good to you. It's over. You're gone. Can't wait to engage in conversation with your friends. On your way out, you're gone. You want to the next thing. And then you got to, somebody got to remind you. Maybe if you see it pop up on Facebook, you'll remember what the sermon was. That's how we've been living for God. That's how we've been living for God, and we are quite comfortable in living for God that way. And I'm here to challenge you today. That's not what God intended when he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God intended for us to live this life of truth and righteousness and submission and sacrifice. That's what he called us to do, and he wanted us to keep this word in our heart. And the way we keep it in our heart is every day muttering it under our breath. 
every day, reciting it over and over, every day, speaking it out loud and sharing it with someone so we can remember it, so we can apply it in a practical way. If we don't do that, we are just visiting the house of God and we're just fitting in the things of God like we fit in everything else, just like we fit in school, just like we fit in, you know, going to a concert, just like we fit in going to a sporting event, just like we fit in, you know, whatever recreational things we do. We're just fitting it all in. We got a whole bunch of stuff that we're doing and we're just making it all fit. That's what we're doing. That's how we're living for God. And that's not what God intent was. And we have believed and bought into thinking that that's the only way to live for God because we got too much going on. And it's just ignorance because God will show you as again, I have to bring it to our attention. Brother Scarlett, me and so many others. Selling out didn't stop God's plan. I didn't stop our personal achievements from happening. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say probably if Brother Scarlett wasn't living for God, he wouldn't have his own business like he got today. He might have some kind of, you know, some kind of business, you know, but it probably wouldn't be no, you know, business like he got right now. And I'm sure I wouldn't have achieved the whole businessman thing that that I desire because I would be onto something different. And for some of you that have sold out over the years and living for God, you know that it was selling out for God that got you to that point. And so many of us, we're not sold out for God. And we're at the point now where we're just fitting God in. And we're going to get old and realize I never really accomplished anything great because I was doing a little of this, little of that, little of that, and little of that. You cannot accomplish anything great doing a whole bunch of stuff. You got to choose what you're going to make number one and give everything to that. Every successful person in this life, you go ask them how much time they put into their success. None of them just 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 happened to just got successful. They put time in. Time in. Go talk to these little footballers that's getting ready to play in the World Cup. Ask them how long they've been kicking the ball around. Ask the parents how much effort they put into getting them to practice and all that. You know how much effort was put into their life being where it is today? So we just think that God is good. We don't have to put effort in and he'll do what he wants. Father, we thank you today for your word. God, I don't know what else I can do to help. I will keep preaching. I will keep obeying. I will keep submitting my life. I will keep declaring the word of God. But Lord, as you know, it's up to us as your people, whether or not we respond in obedience, whether or not we take this word and apply it to our life. Oh, oh my God. I pray that somehow somebody in this service today, somebody who will view this online at a later time, somebody who may have heard it today, in real time, that, Lord, they will make up in their mind that something has to change, that they're not really living for you the way you desire for them to live for you, but they're doing what they think they should do. God, will you correct us? Uh, for every one of us that was convicted today, that was pricked in our heart today in how we live for God, I pray that it will not just end there. But, Lord, that there will be a move of your spirit in our heart, a move of your spirit in our mind. Huh. 
that, Lord Jesus, today will be a day where we will break free from the strongholds and the deception, Lord God, in our life. That today is the day we will be set free and we will surrender all and give all to you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, will you break the invisible chains? Will you transform our mind, Lord God? That this mind which be in Christ will be also in us right now. And let the mind of Christ begin, Lord God, to overshadow us and to transmit to us that we can carry out, Lord God, what you will in our life, Lord Jesus. Oh God, have your way. Oh God, let your hands be upon this church. God, help us to walk in our purpose, in our calling, that we may humble ourselves and serve you. With all that we've got, I pray that you'll help us. Help us, almighty God. Help us, sweet Jesus. Oh, God, we love you. We thank you. We praise your name, Lord. All these things we ask you in Jesus' name. If you would like to give your life to the Lord today, you've never given your life to the Lord and you'd like to do so, why don't you come? If you have never given your life to the Lord and you would like to do so, why don't you come? We can't make it to heaven if we're not born again of the warden of the spirit. We need Jesus. Don't forget Tuesday night, 730, we will be here. We'll be here for one hour, one hour of power. Come and be with us as we celebrate Thanksgiving unto the Lord. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day.